When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Talking City, the podcast from the Manchester Evening News, talking about all things Manchester City. My name is James Robson, I'm the Manchester City editor. I'm here with Stuart Brennan, our chief Manchester City correspondent, and football writer Charlotte Dunker. Hello. Hi. Hello. The good news is the international break is just about over. We're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Hallelujah. Oh. Don't you just hate them? They just drive me up the wall. I've been trying to take as much time off as I can just to, We've to dodge them. <laughs> but don't they? Are there any football fans left out there who actually enjoy international breaks? Even the most ardent England fan must be doubting it after this last fortnight. It's so. amazing the amount of people you speak to, England fans, who actually missed half of the game, one of the games or, or more. It just, it just kind of, you just forget they're even on, don't you know? It's so uninspiring there. Credit to anyone who managed to get through both 90 minutes of both of those England games, because we turned off. But we'll all be looking forward to the World Cup, won't we? Or will we? I don't know. <laughs> it's more of a social event, I feel, the World Cup. And it is exciting, but qualifiers, not so much. There's just no interest, is there, is there? Well, from a personal point of view, there isn't. I don't know if it's maybe an old fogey, but I don't even look forward to them as much as I used to. It doesn't seem to be the same glamour, you know. I don't know, it's just, perhaps that's just with hindsight, but looking back, to, I'm, I'm going back as far as like 78 and the 1990 mm. World Cup, there was just a, a real buzz and a, a vibrancy about it. I'm, I don't really get that these days about World Cups. I suppose a lot of it is, you know, I remember in 1986, which was like the first World Cup I can remember, that would have been the first time I'd ever seen Diego Maradona play. Yeah. And now, for instance, you can watch Messi three times a week, can't yeah. you? yeah. There was, there was an exotic thing about mm. it, you know, you were seeing players that you'd never heard of before, you know, I remember watching Cuba beat Scotland and Kubias scored a couple of great goals for, for Cuba and you'd never heard of this guy, but these days you would have heard of him mm. because you, you'd have seen him several times, like you say, on the Because he'd have been linked telly. with Move to City about six times in the cup. Yeah, 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 I've, I've probably written the story yeah. about 15 times. <laughs> But and then you know, looking back at Argentina, it was Luque and Campos. It was all it was all a bit exotic and different. But like you say, we've seen all these guys now. There's, there's nothing to surprise you at a World Cup, really. And I think a big problem with it is as well in the international break, everyone's so focused on club football, and everyone that likes. I've not met anyone that's just an England fan that doesn't support a club. And if you support a club, you want your players to perform best for you and if you look like all City fans were worried for the Belgian second game De Bruyne didn't need to play in that first game there was concern he was, wasn't was 100% fit is he going to get injured City need him more than Belgium do everyone was concerned that he was going to be played in that second Belgian game and all I was seeing on Twitter was everyone was like thank goodness Martinez has seen sense and not not played them so I think that's another reason why people just don't enjoy the international break because there's that fear that your best players are going to go out playing a ridiculous game that's not necessary and come back injured and then that's going to 
hampering up City season, for example, more than it's going to help Belgium in a game that didn't matter at all. It's just a bloody nuisance as well, if you'll pardon the French. Because, you know, City are playing great football and you can't wait for the next game. You know, it's just it's just so good to watch. And then they, they have two weeks where they all scatter across the, across the, the earth and, uh, and go and play for the countries. It just seems like an eternity. You know, you're waiting for, the, waiting for the things to start up again. Especially so when you end the last round of fixtures with a performance like that against Chelsea. What you want is to play three days later, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cash in on it and keep going. I mean, the fans are here. Wondering now whether they've lost the mojo in mm. the two weeks that they've all been away, and then thankfully it looks like nobody's nobody's picked up an injury. But uh, you know, can they can they pick up where they left off? That's a big question on Saturday, I guess. Okay, well let's move on to that. Can they pick up where they left off? <laughs> what are you asking me for? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's a difficult game. I mean, City have been so much better away from home, not just this season, but last season as well. Stoker. I mean, I was asked in one of these recently. Is Stoke the the uh, the perfect opponent when you you know when, when you you're looking to come back after an international break and, and keep the run going? And I'm not sure they are because he's just such stubborn opponents. You know, Mark Hughes always sets his teams out against City uh, to, to defend and to hit them on the break, and he's had some success with that. Was it 0 nil last year? This this game. Uh, I seem to remember it being about the worst game I'd seen all season. Was it on yes. a Monday night or something? It was a midweek game. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. My memory's shocking, but it seems to have been a miserable game. I remember Mama Birim Duf scoring a breakaway goal mm. as well as that a couple of years ago, yeah. um, and he did exactly the same thing there. He's just stubborn, well organised, defending, and then scored a breakaway goal. And you, you do get the feeling the City are still reasonably vulnerable to that. You know, they. they, they they're better at having the possession and they've got better defenders these days but that could still be a problem and I just think it'll be a, after the Chelsea game where they were so brilliant I just think it'll be a totally different game because Chelsea wanted to win that game I'm not sure Stoke will be coming to City looking to win the game they'll be looking to not get first of all not to get hammered then not to get beaten and uh, you know if they can get away with a point they'll be delighted I don't think they're going to get a point I, th- I think as good as Stoke are resilient and get what get what you're saying. Like when you go to Stoke, it's like one of them. They battle it out for for a draw against the top teams. I think City going forward this season. I don't I don't think Stoke are going to be able to stop them. I'm not convinced that it's going to be like a four five niller, but I I still reckon it'll be pretty com- comfortable victory there without um, Shawcross as well. I, I think I was reading earlier this week he's out injured, which is a big miss for them. So I. I don't think it's going to be as comfortable as some people might think but I reckon definitely reckon a City win a criticism of City perhaps in the past few years particularly the end of Pellegrini's reign would have been that maybe they expected to roll over these teams and they get caught out you don't get the feeling that that's the same case anymore with Guardiola every week it seems like he's saying I mean we were in Feyenoord when uh, one of the local journalists was desperately trying to get him to say that Feyenoord would be easy pickings and he just wasn't having any of it was he and you don't get the feeling that he would allow any lapses in concentration to seep into his players I don't think he'll need to I think the players are enjoying it that much and the competition is is that tough if you you do if you fall below the standard you're going to be out of the team you know that Um, we saw saw that with Sane at the start of the season he wasn't in the team and you look at him now you know he's he's a big kick in the pants for him and he's, he's performing he's at a world class level for me 
And uh, but he still knows that if he doesn't do it in this game, he probably won't play in the next game. So you know, it's uh, I don't think it'd be a case of, of Pep having to tell them, you know, that they, they need to keep those standards up. I just think that Pep's brought a little bit more to City this season. You know, they're that little bit sharper. You know, they're finding their way through teams uh, that they weren't doing in the past. You know, using that little bit of pace of Sterling. Uh, they're using what Sane brings them on the left-hand side. Silver and De Bruyne are both incredibly sharp at the moment. Um, Jesus scores goals, so they've just got they've just got a little bit extra. I mean, of course, the full-backs as well playing a big part, stretching teams. You know, you can defend in depth, but you, there are still going to be gaps appearing if, if you've got two full-backs to deal with. Why you've got to put men out there, and then you're leaving spaces in the middle, and those little spaces are what Silver and De Bruyne. Are thrive on you know and uh, you know I, I, before I wasn't saying that I think Stoke will do a job on City and go over the point if I just put my house on it I'd put my house on a, on a City victory but I do think it'll be tough I mean the Crystal Palace game you remember it as being a 5-0 victory you know a crushing victory mm-hmm. but for a long time in that game it was frustrating and the fans were getting a little bit restless and, and where the, the goal was going to come from yeah yeah you know if one of those chances goes in at the other end Things look very different, and I, I just think I mean Stoke are better equipped than Palace, so I just think it'll be difficult for a while. Uh, and then you know, if City do get the first goal, then the floodgates could well open. But uh, I think I think all the home games are going to be like that this season. You know, pretty much all of them anyway, apart from against the top teams who might come and well, you know try and try and get a win. Um, I just think it's going to be the, the home fans are going to have to be a little bit patient. Was that Chelsea game the best performance of? Any team this season, would you say, Charlotte? I I think so. If you're looking at, well, top two on the City and United. United haven't really faced any tough opposition, no disrespect to the teams that they have played. But City obviously beat Liverpool, helped by the fact that their best player was, was sent off. But even if he'd stayed on, I still was convinced that City would have won that game. But I think it was the, the manner the City beat Chelsea not just the win but the way it was so convincing obviously United have got Liverpool this weekend see what happens there but for me that has been the performance of the of the season so far for City and I'm not sure if you're looking at between City and United as title contenders I couldn't see United going down there and doing doing what City did which is why I would tip City to finish above United when it comes to the end of the season I saw this week Arrigo Saki was asked about that game and he said he watched the whole game and he said it was it was football from another planet. He was including Chelsea in that because you've got to remember Chelsea actually played well in that mm. game. I didn't think they you know, that they underperformed. I thought they played well but they were still comprehensively outplayed by City. Yeah, that's what made it so much better for City, didn't it? Because yeah. like you say, Chelsea weren't abysmal but it was just City was so, so good. Mm-hmm. Mm. That, that was why they won. Saki said it was one of the best games he's ever seen. And you, you think of a... Well, an a Italian 1-0, that sounds exactly what he'd like. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but it wasn't, was it? It wasn't an Italian 1-0. No. Was it? it was, I mean, he said it was, like I said, football from another planet. And you think about the games that he's seen at, at the very top level right throughout his career. For him to say that, perhaps is a... Gives you a perspective on it that, that we haven't got. We, we, we know it was, it, it was extremely good, you know, certainly from a City perspective, it's... It's it's possibly the best performers I've seen from them in, in the nine years I've been covering them, and I've obviously watched them for like twenty five years before that. Um, 
but then you hear it from somebody like him who's who's coached and played at the highest level and watched football at the highest level for, for so many years uh, and he's a foreign coach as well they do, they do tend to have a bit of a disparaging view of English football for him to sort of talk about the quality that was on the show that day in, in those in those terms uh, perhaps put it, puts it into a new perspective Would that would that have frightened someone like Jose Mourinho watching that obviously they're all they're neck and neck at the moment they're both rolling over opponents but to see you know we wouldn't rule out United going to Chelsea and winning but like Charlotte said you wouldn't think you couldn't really see Mourinho going to Chelsea and winning in that manner could you the, the, the very manner of it would that send a chill through someone like Mourinho's veins I don't think it frightened him because he's, he's not he's not the type but he would see it he'll see it as a challenge for sure and you, you can you can imagine he's his mindset now will be when that first derby comes around in December. He'll be thinking if City are still playing like that, he's going to be the old pragmatic Jose Mourinho, the one that we've been talking about, has has disappeared at United. You know, we said everyone's been praising him for the attacking football and the goals that they've been scoring. But the bus will come back. Yeah, the bus will come back. Yeah, and it'll be a double decker as well. <laughs> if, we, uh, if City carry on like that, and you, you understand him doing that. You know, he'll. He'll have to fight, try and find a way to win the game, and he knows that if City are in that kind of mood going into a derby, that they they will outplay United. I think it's as simple as that. But from a fan's perspective, you hope that he doesn't park the bus and they just both go at each other because it could be unbelievable. What a game that would be! It would. It, but it could be the um, the four or the four three again, couldn't it? Well, yeah, but with better quality. I, think. Yeah. I mean, that that was that was a great game, but you know, it was it was sort of made by mistakes. Yeah. Um, but. It, yeah, I mean, it would, it would be it would be a fantastic game, but it ain't going to happen. No, no, I don't think so. But, but that that's Pep Guardiola's idea of a one 0 isn't it? The way he won against Chelsea, you would never see him park the bus, would you? You never just never expect that. No, they, I mean, once once a goal went in, they were still looking mm. for more, weren't they? You know, that's that's the only way he knows how to play. And when you've got players who are expressing themselves and enjoying themselves, you don't want to rein them in. You want to give them give them free rein and and go for it. And that's that's what. That's what makes City the most attractive team, certainly in the Premier League, and you know one of the top three in Europe. I would suggest right at this at this very moment. I'm sure, like me, you speak to a lot of fans, and you probably would have heard a lot of the similar sort of things that I was hearing last year. There were a lot of grumbles and uncertainty about Guardiola, probably because there were so many expectations about him coming in, and then he comes in, and it was a disappointing season. Do you think he's changing minds then now, changing opinions? Because as the weeks are going by, for instance, after the Everton game and after the Bournemouth game, I was still hearing grumbles. Hmm. I've not heard so many in the past month or so. And certainly after that Chelsea game, I felt like that was a real turning point. You know what it's like with football fans. If it's nil-nil at half-time, there'll be grumbles. Yeah. You know, people forget what's gone before and, and the season the moment. I mean, I think there was, there was two schools of thought as far as I could see last season. There was, there was some who were impatient. They thought that Guardiola was going to come in and overnight he was going to turn City into another Barcelona and did sweep all before them in his first season. I think there was another school of thought, um, perhaps the, the more rational, um, more experienced City fans in, in a lot of ways, who, who knew that it would take time to transform. And he, he kept saying it himself, didn't he? He mm. kept saying it, you know, this isn't going to happen straight away, it's going to take, take a while. Um, and you could see, you could see last season, uh, you could see the progress. It was two steps forward, one step back a lot of the time. But you could see it, you know. And he, he didn't help himself 
it sounds strange, but he didn't help himself by winning the first ten games mm. because then everybody, you know, we, we had silly questions in press conferences about are you going to win all four trophies and. I think some of the fans perhaps bought into that a little bit that they were going to actually sweep all before them. And then when things went a little bit cockeyed, um, people people start to grumble and then wonder why it's all gone wrong and why isn't it why isn't it carrying on the way it started off? And then things decisions that he's taken, like you know, uh, getting rid of Joe Hart came back to because Hart was such a fan's favourite, and people can't couldn't couldn't come to terms with it. Um, I think the replacement didn't help either, did it? Like, no. Yeah, no, no, exactly. The fact but this, wasn't. yeah, it wasn't great, but Edison's been, made such a big difference this season already, hasn't he? Yeah. But it does seem that he does actually know what a good goalkeeper looks like, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. And maybe the Bravo thing was an aberration, both in terms of, or mainly in terms of Bravo, just for whatever reason, his form going off a cliff, really, wasn't it? Mm. I, I think the big issue he had last year was that a lot of people looked at the investment City had made over the period under Abu Dhabi ownership and they saw Guardiola as the final piece of the jigsaw whereas Guardiola saw the job as I'm going to have to tear this up and, and rebuild it and those two ideas were, were way off weren't they that not everyone was seeing from that, that hymn sheet hmm. I think the, the problem I mean what he quickly came to realise last season was that while the attacking players there was nothing wrong with it, the way City were attacking last season apart from the fact they they weren't finishing as many chances as, as they needed to. It was the defence that was a problem. And like we say, that started with the goalkeeper, but the, they took a gamble on the full-backs, you know, that those four full-backs would see them through the season. They couldn't afford to replace all the full-backs uh, and, do, and buy the other players that he wanted to buy at the same time. Um, and then he... Uh, so they took that gamble that those four would see them through the season and it didn't really pay off. And then he's, he's he's sort of completed the job this summer by going out and buying buying three fullbacks and getting rid of the old ones. The fullbacks one's an interesting one for me because I wonder if he's changed his idea of what he wanted from his fullbacks, or if the fullbacks he had last season made him try to play the way that he did. Because if you remember the first few games, they were coming in and playing in the midfield, weren't they? And we were all looking at it thinking, what's what's Bakri Sanya and Zavaleta doing going through the middle? And this season when he's, he's gone and bought the fullbacks he wanted, you can see that's not his plan at all. His plan is for them to essentially be the wingers and his wingers play through the middle, doesn't it? Do you, so do you think it was a case of him trying to adapt to what he had or was he thinking that was actually the, the football he wanted to play? Because I think at Bayern, Lahm would come inside a lot, yeah, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah we, we've, seen, we've seen him do it in the past. I, I mean, he still does it now. We saw Fabian Delph doing it against, against Chelsea as well. Is that not uh, just because of the player he is again, that he is actually a midfielder? We didn't see Mendy do it, did we? Uh, no, no. And Carl Walker may have come in at centre yeah, back, but I've not seen, centre midfield. I've now seen. I mean, Carl Walker's done it from time to time. I think. I think it's just a case of flexibility. You know, adapting to what you're coming up against. If if you're playing a team in which you think having an overload in the middle is going to help you when you're in possession, well, they'll come inside. If you're playing a team that you can get around the back of, well, keep you keep your full backs wide and and let your uh, that Sane and Sterling or whoever's on the right duck inside, you know, it's just having that flexibility, you know. He uh, that that's his that's his whole his whole strategy, isn't it? You know, he he'll have a set way of playing up until the halfway line, but over the halfway line anything goes. He wants his players to be able to play all over the place, just just that fluidity. And with that fluidity is what, what has made City so so watchable this season. 
you into your boxing just like I am. Uh, and I think you, you were there for Ricky Hatton versus Floyd Mayweather, weren't you? You were in, I was, in yeah. Vegas. I was. Hatton famously described fighting Mayweather as trying to punch confetti. It strikes me that City's attack might be a bit like that sometimes if you're a defender just trying to cope with the amount of movement. Yeah, yeah, they're. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, that's what makes them beautiful to watch. I mean, Mayweather isn't beautiful to watch. Let's face yeah. it. You yeah. know, he's he's, he's more Mourinho, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's quite he's quite dull, but he, technically, yeah, you appreciate his brilliance. But uh, in football terms, it's. Uh, yeah, I see. I see where you're going with the analogy. They're difficult to pin down. You, mm. you can't. You, you think you've got David Silva, and then he'll take the ball and he'll do a little pirouette, and he's in space, mm. or he'll take the ball and lay it off to somebody else who's in space. No matter what you do, uh, they've got so many talented individual footballers. No matter what you do to to one of them, another one is going to thrive and benefit from what what you do, and that, that that's all of this comes. All the things we've been talking about comes into this. The fullbacks coming inside. How do you cope with that? You bring you bring your wide men inside, and if you do, you you've got you've got Sane or somebody else going around the outside. It's just it is just impossible. It's like plotting fog. Is it the best? You like that? I love that one. Yeah. You know, I heard that one. No, it's a new <laughs> one for me. <laughs> is it? Is this? Are we seeing the best attack we've seen in the Premier League era, Charlotte? Yeah, I think so. If looking back, who who would you really say? I think you'd be looking at Arsenal's Invincibles, Invincibles, or before that even. Um, obviously, the famous four from from United's treble winning season. Also, the they, 2008. I yeah. think they were more. The difference, I think, if you take United for an example, if you're talking about Cole and York, they're very clinical. They work very well mm. together, but it was more of United had a very strong midfield, and you had them two fin- finishing for them up front, but. As Stu points out, this is, if you just take your three defenders out of it and then use your two wing-backs, all of those players going forward at once as an attacking rhythm, like, I don't think, I think this is the best you've, we've seen in, in the Premier League. Clinically-wise, not not too sure on that, on that front at the minute, but for threat, creating chances, to, and to watch, like, as a spectacle, mm. I'd say in the time, obviously, I've been... Watching the game. She's <laughs> as long as you. Yeah, yes. What's I your earliest say. memory, the earliest season you remember? Was it the Premier League? Definitely Premier League, wasn't it? Yeah, because that's yeah. 25 years yes. old, isn't it? Yeah. I am 25, I would just like to point out. <laughs> um, so I think my first memory was 97, 98 season. Silence descends. Yes, yeah. I was almost drawing my pension there. <laughs> yeah, so I would say, what, what would you say? It's best, the best. Um, I know what you're saying about it being, in terms of watching, I don't yeah. remember seeing, seeing a, a side play football that was as watchable as that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've got to win something. Yeah. If they don't win anything with it, it you know the fans. I'll be happy personally because I'll get to watch a lot of brilliant football, yeah. and I know a lot of City fans will be happy. As they, they, you know, any trophies would be a bonus. Um, they'll be quite happy as long as they, they keep playing that like level of football. Um, but there'll be others who, including perhaps the owners, who will uh, who want okay. a trophy or two to to add to the. the and I think if spectacle. they do, I think that's when 
this team will would go down. Everyone still talks about the Invincibles, don't they? They obviously everyone still talks about United's treble winning team, but this team, if they win, will I think mm. will be put on a level with with those two squads. Mm. But like you say, you've got to get the trophies to go with it because it's all well and good playing all this fancy football. But if they're not gonna win the trophies, that's what the fans are gonna. That's what the fans want, isn't it? Yeah. Someone who's absolutely central to everything we're talking about right now, and someone who I think has probably been overlooked quite a bit this season because when we're talking about I mean just the other week we did our player of the season so far didn't we um, and your who was yours remind me De Bruyne uh, was it? mine was De Bruyne yours was De Bruyne mine was <laughs> <laughs> was it Sane Sane I think I went for Aguero but I don't think anybody could have argued if you'd have said David Silva no. but he's not been as spectacular in your face has he mm. and yet statistics have come out this week he's provided more assists than anyone else in the Premier League and I've got to say that doesn't surprise me I'd also guess uh, although I don't know these stats that he's probably provided more assists to assists than anyone else in the Premier League this season as well hasn't he that's mm. what um, you need to check when you get out I will I don't know where I'm going to check that but I'll, <laughs> I'll have a look we'll, we'll take my word a for it a few hours of now. research for the <laughs> afternoon um I think the interesting thing for me when you look at it, I, I think you know when they signed Bernardo Silva, um, I think a lot of people thought, oh, could this be David Silva's long-term replacement? Ilkay Gundogan is a is an attacking midfielder. Guardiola sees him as not a holding midfielder. So again, he's someone else who would be a rival. De Bruyne, obviously, but it, I think it's more a case of he's surrounding Silva with the players to extend his career rather than try to find a successor, because I think he looks better than ever with people like Sane and Silver, uh, Sterling running off him, De Bruyne taking defenders away from him, likewise Gundogan. Would, would you go along with that? Yeah, quite possibly. I think he's, he's looked, looked as, I mean, I, like you, when, when, I see, when you see Bernardo Silva coming in, you do start to wonder, are they seeing, you know, he's, he's, he's the other side of 30 now, David Silva, they start, you know, and he's, he's played a lot of football down the years. He takes a lot of punishment, you know. He, he's had lumps kicked out of him, both for club and country. You start wondering, is he just starting on the on the downward slope? And what we've seen so far this season is quite the opposite. He seems to have moved to another level. Um, it's, it's a bit of a running joke on the sports test that the, my, my love of David Silva because <laughs> I, I just. Has he ever had lower than a nine in your bad <laughs> ratings? <laughs> he starts, on a, bad he starts day, he on a, a twelve, yeah. and then he gets knocked down. I just, I just, enjoy, even when he's well, what, one of the things I like about him, even when he's not playing particularly well, he doesn't hide. You're still seeing wanting the ball and looking for it. Things that aren't going, and every player has a day like that where nothing's going for them, but he keeps looking for the ball. He's got that belief. Uh, his old Spain manager said he's got the biggest cojones in Spain. Didn't he? And didn't that's, that's something what he meant. Else, he was, <laughs> <laughs> I did say. I did say. Oh. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't say. This that. is a PG podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and he, what, that's what he meant by that. He wasn't necessarily referring to the fact that he does get that physical ill treatment from players who can't live with him otherwise, but the fact that he, he still, whether he's playing for Spain or for City, he goes looking for the ball. Regardless, you know, regardless of how poor a game he's having, he's saying, "Give me the ball. I'm going to do something with it." And uh, we've, we've seen him. We've seen him doing that this season. I mean, before when you asked me who I, who I said was my player of the season so far, I couldn't remember because 
it changes every five mm. minutes for me. There's so many of them. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just so difficult. It could be a, a, when, when I was asked to do that. I was thinking five or six different players, you know, who it could have been one. And Silver's one of those. But I, I didn't choose Silver because I knew I'd just get stick off you lot. <laughs> if I, oh, Stu's going off on his David Silver thing again. But I mean, I, I once referred to Silver as, as playing the kind of football that turns your insides to liquid chocolate. And it, that's what he does. He does. I mean, I, I'm a bit of a hard bit an old cynical hack these days. But when you see a player like Silver performing at that kind of level, it still it still has that ability to to make you wish you could still pull a pair of boots on and and, and do what he did, even though I was a useless left back rather than a, a playmaking creative midfielder. What strikes me about him is that he's built like a ballerina, and when I say that, I mean a female one, not a male one, because he's so slight, isn't he? <laughs> but there are not many male ballerinas around. Uh, was, yeah, okay, <laughs> the equivalent, a male equivalent, um, but they tend to be pretty pretty muscly. And moving on. Um, what strikes me about him is that the amount of times he wins the ball, doesn't it? Because that type of player, you wouldn't, you don't put down as a type of an actual ball winner because yeah. he's such a, he's a slight, delicate, like you say, beautiful to watch football. But the amount of times he actually goes and he hunts people down, and takes the ball off him, and and he's physical with it as well, isn't he? That's so he's, he's he's stronger than he looks, but he's it's a lot. It's about timing, you know. He, he times his tackles, and he, a lot. Of, oh no, I'm going to say I'm going off on one again now, but. A lot of his tackles are beautiful to watch because they're not like big crunching like Stuart Pearce type taking the player out. He, he gets away, he takes the ball away, and the players hardly realise that he's done it. You know, he's picked his pocket, and uh, you know that that's just part of the appeal of the player. Do you think David Silva's beautiful? Yeah. <laughs> well, before he shaved those hair off. Is, um, he, is he as nice <laughs> as one of those muscly ballerinas? <laughs> <laughs> not sure. I've not been looking at them too recently, to be honest with you. <laughs> No, I get what James is saying with the ballerina reference. So he's, oh, he's, I think someone does. Well, <laughs> no, it's, no, as in he's not like he's not like a burly footballer who, like Stu said, is going to go in two-footed. He makes it look very pretty, doesn't he? Makes it look all very easy. But it's, it's been discussed for how many seasons now, how like underrated he's been, especially when every year when the um, PFA Team of the Year comes out and he's never in it. And he is arguably one of the best players in the Premier League and has not just this season he has been for seasons gone by and just for some reason he never appears to get the nod but is that because he's one of the people that silently goes about his job he's so good that sometimes you forget he's there but he's controlling the game from he he controls game the game without you even noticing it and then Aguero will pop up and score a hat trick and everything will be about Aguero was amazing. He scored three goals. Mm. Yeah, but who controlled the game for City? Who pulled all the strings? And in a lot of City's games, it is David Silva, and that's why he's so important for them. It's been discussions. I think it was on the back page of the Mail yesterday about him getting a contract extension. And like you say, he is the other side of thirty now. But even if he doesn't go on to play for that many more years, like the impact he can have on the other players, the younger players in that team. He can t- teach them so much, and if they even take a bit from him and then play for City for however many years, then and they have a David Silva type mark two, then they've done well. Simple question. I say simple. It's probably not actually. Oh God. But anyway, um, it's not ballet related. Yes, this one. We're, we're not up on the ballet <laughs> knowledge, unfortunately. One word answer from both of you. Silver or Hazard? Silver. S- silver. Okay. Flip it back at you, James Robson. One word answer. I'm gonna just. No, no, that's, oh, that's more than one already. So. There we go. 
I'd probably go Hazard. Why? Uh, more of a goal scorer. That would probably... I would go as far as to say in the seven years since he came to the Premier League, there is no better player in the Premier League than David Silva. And I think it's an absolute scandal that he's not been recognised for mm. individual honours. I'll tell you what you're saying about the goal scoring, but the number of goals he's created in that time. Yeah, yeah, it's is, you know, And it's, it's, it's more, of a, more of a feather in your cap creating a goal than scoring one as far as I'm concerned. Ask Kevin De Bruyne, he says it all the time. He also hits quite a few in from about 30 yards into the he top. Does, corner, he, he does, but he enjoys the assists more than he enjoys the goal. He, he says, with his, I suspect, with his tongue firmly in his cheek. Yeah. Maybe it's the combination of the two that's got him nominated, shortlisted for the Ballon d'Or and not silver. Yeah. Plain devil's advocate. Yeah, quite possibly. But you look at the contribution that, that's, I mean, this, this season, uh, silver stats are better than De Bruyne. Yeah. yeah. You ask Pep Guardiola what, what, what he wants from his players. Um, He'll want what silver contributes every bit as much as he wants what. What Kevin stats was De Bruyne top off? Was it assists per minutes played in the Premier League? In the Premier League, yes. yeah, yeah. Because De Bruyne was top above. Was it ever? Was yeah, it was ever. It was yeah. he, he overtook at Cantona. Cantona yeah, had the previous it, it? best, and he's overtaken him. Um, I suspect if you ask Guardiola, and he'd never say it, who is who he thought his most important player was, I suspect it would be David Silva. Well, you're going to the press conference tomorrow, so there maybe, you go. Maybe we'll ask him that tomorrow. We'll just, just to end, just to end an answer. argument, Pep, yeah. please, can you tell us? I'll ask him one word answer, Hazard or Silva. You'll get a deep, <laughs> deep sign, uh, perhaps, a, perhaps a bit of Catalan swearing under his breath. I was going to say, your one word answer won't be the one you're looking for. <laughs> I might get the uh, FFS, which is what he gave to... Uh, the journalist who asked him if he could win all oh, every trophy last, that's right, yeah. last season. A classic um, moment that was. But yeah, David Silva is just the the ultimate Guardiola player, isn't it? You know, he's the guy you can't get the ball off. He, like you say, always wants the ball, no matter how small the space he is. He's he's just everything Guardiola wants in a footballer, isn't it? Really. If only he'd grow his hair back though. I know. I don't. just can't get used to it. Well, it doesn't seem to have done any harm if you look at his stats. No, but you do just no. wonder what on earth he was thinking. It's more streamlined than ever. Awful decision. <laughs> he had such lovely hair as well, didn't he? Uh, such a shame. <laughs> anyway, he's got hair, he's got lovely hair as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> that's years of working with you lot that's done this to me. <laughs> uh, so news today, uh, we recorded this on Thursday, I don't know when you'll be listening to it, but news today has come out of Arsenal. Arsene Wenger's been asked about Alexis Sanchez and Mesut Ozil, I should ask, but he was asked straight... Is there a chance of these players being sold in January because they've still not signed these contracts that Arsenal are trying to get them to sign? And it was about as clear a response as we've had from him yet, which he said, yes, that's a possibility. Do City go in for Sanchez in January? Well, it would seem madness, wouldn't it? They've got all those attacking options as it is. They haven't got a problem there. You know, What they need in January is a left-back. Obviously, they, they could get a left-back as well. But then you're talking about paying money for a player who, six months down the line, will be available for a free. But we've already seen other clubs expressing an interest. Paris Saint-Germain talked about Sanchez, you know, their Italian clubs looking for him. You wouldn't rule out a Spanish club or two coming in for him. Um, so then you start, I think Bayern Munich were, uh, were interested as well. They were in the they? summer, yeah. You'd imagine for free, they'd be very interested. Yeah, absolutely they would. Um so then you start thinking Manchester over Spain as a lifestyle 
Which ones are you going to pick? Yeah, some people got no idea, haven't they? <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, it, but it, it may well come down to the fact in January that if, if they don't pay a little bit of money for him, they open it up, then then, then the, the market's open. I mean, it, we've been told all along that Sanchez wants to come to City, and, you know, from what we've heard, we know that's that seems to be the case. But whether that'll be the case next summer... Um, will he think well hold on a minute City could have had me for 20 million in in the January window if they wanted me that much he would have been in so I'm going to have a, another look around now and see what offers are on the table uh, so there's always that, that possibility so uh, no doubt City will get slated if they do pay 20 million for a player they could have got six months later for nothing but it would make sense to them you know They'd also get slated if they didn't move for him. Yeah, they just watched him true. sign for PSG or Bayern Munich, wouldn't they? Yeah, absolutely, they would. They would. Um, whether they need him is another matter because they've got so much attacking talent at the moment that you know we, we all know he's, he's world class and he he would bring something. Um, but would he would he upset the apple cart a little bit? You know, you then bringing a player in like that, you trying to trying to shoehorn him into the team. When at the moment, you know, there's somebody's going to get left out of this team to play Stoke on Saturday who doesn't deserve to be left out of the team because they've all been performing. You know, Bernardo Silva hasn't been a look in the £43 million mm. player. Uh, and when we've seen him, we've seen why he's a £43 million player because he's, he's class. Um, but he's, he's not getting much of a look in. Then Sanchez comes in as well in that mix. Then you've got two players who are. Who are, who are worthy of a place and can't get a place if they can be sure if they've got assurances from Sanchez that he still wants to come to City uh, and he's happy to hang on at Arsenal until next summer I wouldn't go for him but if there's that element of doubt that he might just change his mind and go somewhere else I think £15-20 million pound would look like an absolute snip for, for a player of that quality Danny Alves will be on Guardiola's mind as soon as you start talking about waiting because mm-hmm. they thought they were going to get him for free um, and then at the last minute he decides to go to Paris Saint-Germain given that would you just say like got to get it done yeah and what's 20 million really yeah. to City like I think they should go for him in January and what's I get what you're saying about City have got lots of options and that's if they play Jesus up front by himself for example so if you look at the minute with Aguero out injured because he's been playing both of them hasn't he up front Aguero's out injured Jesus is your only option as a like a lone striker as it were the rest of them yeah they're all versatile and you can play pack as many as you want in midfield Sanchez is more that player that lone striker sort of role my only thing was like last season when Jesus got injured it was all on Aguero something happens to Aguero you haven't got that one player unless you're bringing someone up through the ranks and I know it's all sort of bringing him as a backup and to have a world class backup brilliant for City is it going to work like you say for like team morale is it going to be like oh you can come in Sanchez but you're going to be like an impact sub or you're going to be used more if someone gets injured is he going to go for that I'm not too sure but everything that you've said before like he supposedly wants to come to City and you touched on it before she when you were saying City this season looks more like a team rather than a group of individuals and it might just come across like that the way you see them but they all seem to not be bothered when they're not picked because they're happy to sit there and wait for their chance because they know that what Pep's doing is the best for the team mm. and they're 
all seem to be getting on well. Everything you see, like all in the dressing room, it's all like loads of banter, everyone's having fun. And that's reflecting on the pitch in the way that they're playing. And they're all happy to say, oh no, so De Bruyne, De Bruyne will come on the bench this week. He's not going to throw his toys out of the pram and be like, well, I'm not playing again if, if you don't play me. So if you're bringing Sanchez into an environment like that and he's happy to get involved in that sort of rotation system, I do think it could work because he's... Well, you've seen for Arsenal how ruthless he is and he could add to City's attack because it was right at the start of the season there was a couple of games where I just thought Aguero and Jesus were missing like simple tappings and stuff like that and you just wondered if if you have a poacher like Sanchez if he was there to convert those chances an edgy edgy like win that's by a single goal could turn into like another 5 miller. so I think if you're talking 20 million or risking going somewhere else in the summer Definitely go for it. You've won the argument. <laughs> um, as as you said, Stu, I think we probably expect Guardiola's priority in January to be a left back because we're expecting Mendy to be out for for the long term. Unlike with Sanchez, who they should be able to get at a cut price because he's out of contract. If they sign the sort of left back they need to replace a Mendy, they're going to be paying well over the odds to sign him in January. That's the usual problem midway through the season, isn't it? But one of the buzzwords among fans is, um, or buzz phrases, is net spend, isn't it? And if you work out the net spend, they would have spent 60 million on Sanchez, so they're saving 40 million if they get him for 20. So that leaves you perhaps the extra 40 million to make up having to spend more for you. You sound like me justifying trying to buy a pair of shoes here. Like. Yeah, this, this <laughs> conversation goes through my head a lot. <laughs> if you spend, say, 40 million on this player. Gives you an extra forty million. For that's, that's, that's free money. That's just that's just. That's a good job. James isn't in charge of City's finances, really, isn't he? Yeah. FFP would have a field day. Yeah. <laughs> and yet they were they were talking about in the summer. They were talking about um, you know the, the, some of the, some of the the phraseology we were picking up on was that they they were at the the end of the budget. You know they, mm. they didn't have any more money to mm. spend. And where they were going to find the fifty five sixty million pounds for for Sanchez, I don't know. Um, and we're still in the same financial year, yeah. So it's it's not if if they have budgeted. I mean, whether whether they'll try and move somebody out in January, you know, have another pop at, at getting rid of Mangala or or, or or somebody else. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, they could easily I spend would, sixty million and get those two players, couldn't they? Really? Yeah. Well, if, 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 they, if they can do that and they've, they've got the cash, well, yeah, go ahead. Um, I mean, Charlotte's Charlotte's logic defeated me completely, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll bow to that. I think she was right what she said. And you wouldn't fear of the uh, the Rodney Marsh syndrome uh, for our older well, listeners. For our older listeners, yeah, the, the city city bought Rodney Marsh. Was it nineteen seventy two? They were the they were the best team in the league. They were they were riding high look you know big favorites to win win the title um they brought brought Rodney Marsh in as like the final piece in the jigsaw you know he'd, he'd been absolutely brilliant at QPR he was like one of the best players in the country and uh he came in and it just didn't work he, he you know he, he upset the apple cart and uh, the results didn't didn't go as well for the rest of the season and they ended up uh, not winning the, not winning the league and Rodney's admitted it uh, since that um, it was his his acquisition that actually cost City the title, so uh, it can happen. But I, I don't think. I mean, but the thing is that Mar- Marsh isn't isn't the Sanchez. He was a brilliant player, Rodney, 
fantastic individual player, and that's perhaps goes back to what, what we were saying earlier about being a, a, a team and a set of individuals. Sanchez is a team player. He is a brilliant individual player, but in a team in a team setting, and you saw him last season the frustration he was feeling at Arsenal um, when when players weren't pressing. You know, he he was working his heart out. And, and trying to close people down and he was looking around and his teammates were just idling about back in midfield and you could see him waving his arms getting get up here you know get up and press and you know and that's behind his read that's why he wants to come to City because he, he, he'll, he'll be in that environment at City that he's not found at Arsenal so he is a, he's very much a team player but with brilliant individual skills and that's a lot different to being a brilliant individual player like Rodney Marsh was I think OK prediction time City Stoke Close. I'll go 2 1 City. 3 1 City. I'm going to go 4 0. He's gone for it. How about that? Every time. And just for the record, I predicted 5 0 City versus Crystal Palace. I thought you were going to say Chelsea then. I was going to say you were very wrong. I did not there. predict that. I can't remember what I predicted for Chelsea. Probably because you got it wrong. It's, it's no, no, I just can't remember. It's conveniently forgotten this one, hasn't he? Absolutely. When he, got, when he got it wrong. What did I just say? 4-0? I've forgotten what I predicted for this one. 4-0. 4-0. 4-0. Yeah. Okay, so at the end of the weekend, who is going to be top of the table? City. Well, uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, City will be. Yeah. So your prediction was 2-1, was it? Yeah. So you're, are you predicting United to lose to Liverpool or just not win? I enough? think United might... Nico 1-0 okay. Liverpool okay. Yeah, so, yeah City top obviously City will be top if my predictions right I don't think you see United winning 5-0 Anfield do we no. no I'm not predicting that for the record um, City versus Napoli I say that because by the next time we do a podcast it will be post Napoli oh right all right um, cramming these games in before the next pod I think it'll be a fantastic game it's next week isn't it Napoli yeah yeah, yeah. It'd be a fantastic game. Um, it could, it could even be. A, I'll go three two City for that one. I'm gonna go three nil City. Three nil. Yeah. I'm gonna go two two. Oh. Yeah. Uh, a draw. A draw wouldn't surprise me at all. Okay. Well, fingers crossed for the City fans. I'm right with this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think that just about wraps it up. Yeah. Yep. Thanks for listening. Um, you can subscribe and get all the latest episodes if you subscribe to iTunes or Audio Boom, and we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.